0: If you want to grab a Bible, I'm going to be looking at 2 Peter. I'm going to try to cover the whole book this afternoon. Uh, We looked at 1 Peter uh, throughout the course of the last year. Uh, 1 Peter mainly deals with attacks from the outside of the church, from those that were persecuting uh, the Romans, Nero, uh, and also the Jews and second Peter uh, mainly talks about attacks from within the church so we're going to be looking at uh, mainly uh, false prophets and how to recognize false prophets that's mainly what what Peter tells them is that you need to you need to know these people you know you you tell uh, you tell what kind of tree it is by its fruit you know, Brother David's been notorious for always saying, If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, more than likely it's a duck. So uh 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, this letter, uh, there's been a lot of dispute if you look into, look into this letter whether or not Peter actually wrote it. Same thing goes with the uh, letter of Jude, uh, which Brother Britt spoke on quite a while back, I guess. It's been a while, had not it, Britt? But... Uh, he covered Jude and they've been a lot of controversy over whether these Bible books even belong in the Bible. But we look, you go into uh 2 Peter 3 and 1, it says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So it says Peter wrote it, so I'm going to believe that Peter wrote it, and that's as far as I'm going to take that conversation. But it says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So that peace that Brother Britt was talking about this morning uh, and the grace that God wants to give us, it comes through knowledge. The knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse number 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So not only grace and peace, but to glory and virtue. All things that pertaineth unto life and godliness is what we get through knowledge. And that knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse number four says, "Whereby are given unto us exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Through knowledge of Jesus, we have a great and precious promise to be a partaker in His divinity, promise of heaven. I ask you this afternoon, do you know Jesus? I talked about a little bit about. uh, I want to talk to you about different beliefs that are out there in the different congregations of the world. There's one that is that once as you are baptized and you are saved, that you're done. That that's it. That all you have to do is obey the gospel plan of salvation, and you're a Christian and you're good. You can come here on Sunday after obeying the gospel plan of salvation, and you can partake of the Lord's Table. Every Sunday thereafter, and you can still fall from grace. And we're going to look at that this evening. Just because you've obeyed once the gospel plan of salvation does not mean that you're home free. And I believe this book, this whole book, tells us that. And so we're going to look at a little bit of it this afternoon. Falling from grace is a possibility. It can be done. See, Peter starts this letter, this letter that he is writing to Christians, to believers, and telling them that they need to know Christ. And because of knowledge, because of the Christ, they have grace and they have peace. They have the promise of heaven someday, but that's just the greeting. Beginning there, verse number 5, it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. One of the key words being in in uh, in that list of things that we need to add as Christians, we need to do it diligently. One of the key words being there. This isn't something that, you know, once as you think that you have mastered temperance, you know, or you have, you've worked on it for a while, that you can just set it aside and go on to the next thing that you need to work on. This is something that, as Christians, we need to diligently seek after. And continue to diligently seek after it in order to master it. Because I promise you, out of all those things, you're not going to master any of them because you have an adversary, the devil, who's just going to keep on pushing your buttons. And these things that Peter's talking about come in very handy whenever you are defending yourself against the world. So add these things to your faith. Peter goes on, verse number 8 says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we will give diligence to adding these things, Peter lists here, and these things abound in us, that we shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful. What happens to the fruit tree and all the parables that we read in the New Testament? What happens to the fruit tree if it's not fruitful? You know, the, the, the keeper of the, the garden or whatever, I think it was in one parable, he says to, to chop it down. At least it'll keep me warm in the middle of the night or I cook my food over it. Cut it down, throw it into the fire. You know, one servant said, Lord, Master, let, let me dung it first. Let me fertilize Fertilize it and just pour the coals to it, maybe you'll produce something. He says, Fine, I'll give you one last chance. I want to ask you this, this evening are you being fruitful? Have you grown since you've first been baptized and accepted the, the gospel plan of salvation? Have you grown in knowledge and in truth and became fruitful in your life? Where do you stand? See, that's the thing about once you're saved, you're always saved. If you believe that, you don't have to grow in knowledge. You don't have to come here on Sunday because there's no point in partaking of the Lord's table. Because one of the things we're supposed to do in that is to examine ourselves and see where we stand as a Christian. If you believe that once you're saved, you're always saved, that's no, no purpose to us. So I ask you this, mo- this evening, I'm going to keep saying this morning or at least try to, this evening... Are you growing in knowledge? Do you know the things that Christ wants you to know? Are you being fruitful in your life? Verse number nine says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It says, but if we don't grow in knowledge, if we don't grow in these things, that we are blind, we cannot see. That thing that he's talking about, that thing that is the the thing that they're blind and cannot see afar off. That thing that is afar off is heaven. Can you see heaven? Do you can you can you see your destination and say this is the path that I need to take. This is the way that I need to go in order to get to heaven. I like to look. I like to use that the the Wizard of Oz illustration. I believe I've used it once. But going down that yellow brick road, you know, you see. Dorothy and the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, all skipping along, trying to get to uh, whatever the castle is, Was it, Land of Oz is where they're at. But anyway, get to the Emerald City. You know, are you on the path that you need to go to get to heaven? Are you skipping along with your spouse, with your brother and sister in Christ? Other the ones that are going to help you get there. Are you growing in knowledge in order to say, hey, that's a pothole. I know that's a pothole because the Scripture told me that's a pothole. And if I fall in that, I'm going to stumble and I'm going to fall and I might not ever get back up again. See, once you've been baptized and you get on that road, then you need to grow in knowledge. Because there's a lot of U-turn. There's a lot of... You know, you can make a U-turn right here and you can go the other direction if you want. That's what we call Falling. We call falling from grace whenever you make that U-turn. That's whenever you don't repent and turn away from your old man that you say, hey, that old man, you know, that old man liked to get drunk on the weekends, get high on the four-day weekends, didn't care about about his neighbor, you know, lived life to the fullest for himself, didn't care about others, That's that old man. You know, there's a lot of roads roads that lead back to him to live in that life. The scriptures are what show us the path that we need to take. Verse number 10 says, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if ye do these things ye shall never fall tell you this, if you're saved once and you're always saved, why is this word fall in the Scripture? What does that word fall mean to you? The word fall right there to me means I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to burn for eternity. That's what that word fall means and it's there in the Scripture for a reason. To give you warning. To give you heed. It says give diligence. You know, a lot of effort is what that word means. Put forth a lot of effort to make your calling and your election sure. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What Peter says here is you're going to go to heaven if you can put these things in your life to secure that place in heaven. Verse number 12 says, Wherefore I will I will not be negligent to put you away in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. He said he's going to bring them into remembrance. You already know these things. You know... What had to be paid for the sin that's in your life? God was consistently reminding the children of Israel of all that He had done. We have to be reminded all the time, and that's why we have the Bible, to remember what God has done for us, how we need to be living our life, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, even as Lord Jesus Christ has, showed, has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Peter knew that his time was coming to an end. He wanted to make sure that the Christians of the day remembered these things. That they would always have something to look back on and to remember, to put them up in the forefront of their minds. Because if they don't remember them, then they fall. You know, I was, uh, I was at hospice in Canadian whenever my granddad passed away. You know the one thing that he was worried about? The one thing that he was worried about was the one thing that was most important to him. And that was his family. And the ranch that he put together over the years, him and his dad, and him and his sons, they wanted him, he wanted to make sure that everything was in order. That was his last concern. Peter, above all else, he loved the Lord. And he cared more about the church than anything else in his life. And now here he is writing this letter knowing that his time is coming to an end. And what does he tell them? What does he give them as the last piece of advice before he dies? To grow as Christians. Verse number 16 says, For we have not Follow cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God in the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in the dark place unto the day dawn and the day star rising in your hearts knowing this first that, the, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time but the, the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. See not only does Peter remind them of who they are, how they need to be growing, and the promises that they have. But he also reminds them of who Jesus is. He reminds them that none of the miracles of Jesus are made up. He reminds them of eyewitnesses that were there. He reminds them of prophecies that were fulfilled, and the prophecies aren't the work of men. And that's going to bring us into chapter 2. It says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as they, are, they will be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves with destruction. There were, there in, in the, there were holy men that prophesied, you know, God spoke to the, to the children of Israel through the prophets. But at the same time all this was going on, there was also false prophets. There are today false teachers out there. I want to ask you, how are you to know that they're false teachers? Once again, you look at a tree and know it by its fruit. I know, I know men that uh, are, are professional preachers in other denominations. They have what looks like from the outside good fruit. But if you will pay attention, if you will listen to them carefully, you can find out what they truly believe. What they truly believe, does it line up with the scripture that we have? See, that's where Peter is, try, is trying to take this, is that not only do you need to know, have this knowledge in order to grow, but you need to have this knowledge in order not to fall. Be able to know that that's a pothole in the road and not hit it. And many, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. A lot of people follow false teachers. You know, for some reason, it seems like those those people, they they draw others together because there's always something really good about them. There was used to, uh, my parents used to have the old dish television, I mean, the the huge one out there in the backyard, you know, and whenever they got that, there was like two or three channels that had uh, an evangelist on there. And one of them, Uh, It was funny because one of them, he's like, you know, I will pray for you. I will help you. God will bless you if you donate. like, all right. You know, I'll just add you into my bills every month and you just keep on praying for me. And I'm going to go to heaven. Uh, That's what we're looking forward to. The blessings, the peace that Brother Britt was talking about this morning, that does not come from a fake evangelist praying for you. That kind of peace only comes from God. And no amount of money can get it. Verse number 3, says, And through consciousness shall they be fringed, words made merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. They're in it for the money, and judgment is coming to them, and it's not going to be good. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivereth them into chains of darkness, and be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly." And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrown, making them an example unto those that that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them. And seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly, out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment, to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness, and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speaking evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruptness corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the day of time in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cause, cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised that with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of, of Balam, the son of Bassor, who loved the wages of righteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried up with tempest, and whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the loss of the flesh, through much wantonness, whose that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption." For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of the righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happening to them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed, to her wallowing in the mire. See, this whole chapter is devoted to the judgment awaiting false teachers. And it is harsh. But in the end of this chapter, we see that at least some of these were people who had escaped the world through the knowledge of Jesus. that knew Jesus and they fell. They went back to the mud and to the vomit of the world. And I believe the reason that Peter adds this this in there at the end about the people falling is because there's a reason that they fell. Because that list that we saw in the first chapter, they didn't adhere to it. See, they didn't grow in knowledge, and that's why they fell. You see, at one time, they obeyed the gospel plan of salvation. They were wrought with God. They had a mediator for their sins in their life, but somewhere along the way, they fell, meaning that they were in the church. They were doing what a Christian should be and now they are not in the church and they are away from God. Chapter 3. Last chapter that we're going to look at. i got ten more slides to go through. Verse number 1 it says this, Second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the Holy Prophet and of the commandments of us apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that, sh- that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of, this, of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. How old is the world? (laughs) Talk about scoffers. How old is it? According to OETA, it's 10 million years old, I think. It might be more. It might be a billion by now. I'm not real sure. It's older than dirt. My neighbor says that a lot. You go, How old are you, Mr. Gatlin? He goes, I'm older than dirt. Tell my grandkids I've been here just about as long as dirt has. How old is the world? Tell about scoffers. You tell somebody that the world's only 6,000 years old, you know, God created Adam and Eve, and they're like, no, no, no. It's older than that, man. It's, the world's been around forever. Scoffers. And there were from the beginning of creation. It says there in in verse number 4. You know, in the time of Noah, people thought the world was older than dirt. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Peter says they are willingly ignorant. They don't want to. Of knowledge to know. They don't want to know how old the earth is. He reminds them that there was another time whenever people thought nothing bad was going to ever happen. A time whenever water covered the earth. Whereby the world that then was being overflown, overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto, unto fire." against the day of judgment and perditions of ungodly men. Peter's saying that there's coming a day when no heartache shall come. There's coming a day of fire and destruction for the rest of us, the rest of them. There's coming a day whenever God's going to say they've had long enough and he's going to destroy it. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one, that one day is the Lord with a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God's measurement of time is not like ours. He may give you tomorrow, and he may not. You may have a week, you have, may have a month. Verse number 9 says, The Lord is not slight concerning His promise, as some men count slightness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should be come to repentance. Don't think that just because God gave you today does not mean that you're going to get tomorrow. You have time today to fix your life. You have time today to reach those that you didn't reach yesterday. You have time to reach those today that you might not have time to reach tomorrow. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Though God may be patient, the end is still coming. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I want to ask you right now, are you looking forward to that day? Or is that day scare you? Are you prepared to face the coming of the Lord? and stand before Him and give an answer to your actions? Or are you scared? Simple question. It's one that I ask myself usually every Sunday that I partake of the Lord's table. Am I right with God? What changes do I need to make in my life? Because I really do believe that I could fall. I really do believe that I'm not going to be saved. i be saved forever. Yes, I have been baptized for the remission of the sins. Does that mean I'm good with God forever and I can just twist off and do whatever I want? No. That means that one of these days, on the day of judgment, I'm going to, to stand there and give account for my actions. Lord, I believed you in baptism. I partook of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. I was a good guy. I would do anything to be that guy that asked God, you know, what do I lack? And he said, oh, you only lack one thing. Can you imagine only lacking one thing in your life to get to heaven? That would be awesome. That means I only have one more thing I need to work on. Just one, and I'm golden. That's not me. I have sin in my life. I have to stand and give account for all the things that I've done, all the bad things that I've done. And probably some of the good ones that I probably didn't do the way God wanted me to do them. See, I believe that I can fall. I believe that a couple of wrong turns my wife passed away. My children move out of the house. I'm left in the house alone to do whatever I want to. You know that piece that Brother Britt talked about this morning? You know that piece that he gets at home when he's alone? I get mine when I go fishing. You know, there's a lot of guys that like to go fishing on Sunday. You asked Brother Mon about that. There's a lot of fishing tournaments that happen on Sunday. You have to stand and give account for your actions. You make the wrong choices, and you start going down the wrong path. Hell and destruction of your soul is what awaits. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them as these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, the book of Romans, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Even then, whenever Peter was writing this, people were then taking the stuff that Paul was writing about, and they didn't understand it. And they were falling away, because it was hard to understand. It's still hard to understand today. It leads you to destruction if you don't rightly divide the word of truth. It will lead you astray. You can look at stuff, like once I'm baptized, I'm golden. There's How many different religions are there out there? Okay, now how many different Bibles are there? Are we not all reading the same thing? There's a lot of different churches of Christ that believe different things. There's churches of Christ that believe in the rapture, that the millennials, the 1,000-year reign, that God's going to come back. He's going to rule on the earth for a 1,000 years, and in that amount of time, if I can make it that long, I'll actually see it with my own eyes. Then I have a greater chance of, of believing it, and I'll save myself that way. There's those that believe that once you've been dunked in that water back there, you're golden. They have the exact same Bible that we do. Are you growing in knowledge? Are you growing in knowledge to where you can save your soul? Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. That word again, fall. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter, his last dying wish to write a letter to a bunch of Christians in Asia Minor was that they grow in knowledge. He gave them warning to grow in knowledge. And the reason he did so was to save them. Because he knew that you can fall That once you are saved, you're not always saved. That you will face days, months, weeks, years, however long it may be, you may face hard times. And the devil is never going to quit trying to get you to fall. If you're saved once and you're always saved, then why do we have a devil? If you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. According to Peter, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever.